Welcome to the Manufacturing and Supply Chain CEO Podcast. I'm Martin Harshberger, President of Measurable Results LLC and martinharshberger.com. I'm a retired CEO of both a manufacturing company and a third-party logistics company. We were lucky enough to grow both to eight-figure organizations. I've been consulting with small and mid-tier companies for the past 16 years. Our mission with this podcast is to provide a forum to help CEOs in these critical industries share their stories, share best practices, and learn from each other. If you'd like to be a guest in our podcast, go to www.martinharsberger.com slash apply. Each interview will take about 30 minutes. Thanks for listening. Hi, welcome to this episode of Manufacturing and Supply Chain CEOs. This morning I have Chelsea Lanto, president of Trenton Forging. Welcome. Thank you, Martin. Thanks for having me. Let's talk a little bit about your company. Tell us about what you guys do. Forging is a different uh, first forging company I've had, so I'm interested about it. This is exciting then. Uh, So Trenton Forging Company was founded in 1967 by my grandfather, George S. Moxlow, and a small group of stakeholders at the time. Um, He actually started with two used drop hammers, brick-lined forging furnaces, and some support equipment in just a 6,000-square-foot building. And my father grew that company with my grandfather. And today we have five drop hammers, state-of-the-art induction heating units, CNC cold saws, a full tool and die room, and a variety of support equipment under about 80,000 square foot of roof. Um, And we specialize in custom closed impression die forging with carbon, stainless, and alloy steels for a wide variety of industries, including agriculture, construction, automotive, commercial truck, defense, marine, mining, forestry, railroad, recreational vehicles, you name it, we make it. <laughs> so when you talk about you make the actual parts, I mean, I, I looked at your website, mm-hmm. I the forging, you, you do your own die making, your own die making, or do you do that internally or not? Yep, we sink our own dies in-house. It gives us a little bit more control over that process, then it really allows us to uh, turn parts around more quickly for our customers. That's interesting. It looks like a pretty cool operation. I just looked at the website. I was, I was impressed. Thanks. The so, question I usually ask, I think you answered, is how did you get started doing what you're doing today? Uh, well, I, like- I think I have an interesting path. Yeah. Um, you know, I'm, I'm part of the third generation. So I'm one half of the operating team. Um, and I grew up with the company. You know, I, I worked on and off as a kid. I started doing office tax tasks when I was about 10 or 12. You know, at 12 years old, I thought redoing the qualities filing system was really cool. And I was really proud of that for a while. Um, but I eventually worked my way up and, you know, I would spend summers home from college on the final inspection belt, making sure that parts were inspected before shipping and eventually running marketing and employee wellness. And really, you know, as a kid, my dad always told me that I had what it took to run the business, but it really took me going off on my own, doing my own thing and following my own path before I really discovered that he was right and I could do that. So I actually took a science route in undergrad and eventually got my master's degree in public health, which was a weird collision of two worlds last year. Um, But it it took me working for a local health department for about six years before I really kind of came into my own and found my confidence. And, you know, I realized that I was going to hit a pay ceiling fairly quickly and I wasn't feeling challenged professionally. Uh, 
Um, I loved what I was doing, but the pace of local government was a little bit too slow for me. And in public health, it can take years or decades to really see the outcome of hard work, right? Whereas in manufacturing, I can go out right now and pick up the products that we're shipping to our customers today. Yeah. So, you know, over time, I realized that, you know, my dad and I would have lunches and all we would talk about is Trenton Forging. And, you know, I was doing some consulting for the company on and off for a few years. And I, I realized that I really loved the work that I was doing for my dad and for the managers at the time. So I called him and I said, you know, hey, is there still a spot available for me? And luckily there was. So when I came back to the company, I started as the business operations manager, um, was promoted to director of manufacturing. And then in this past February, I took over as president. Congratulations. That's a Thank you. Path. Yeah. My wife's in healthcare, but I, I agree with you. One reason I like manufacturing is you get to see the whole process. Mm-hmm. Raw material stacks, I'll see it making something and see it go out the door. Yes. Where are you currently with your business? I know COVID, I don't even know if we're past COVID yet. I don't know where we are. I wish I could tell you, but how did that affect you? Last year was definitely challenging. Um, We learned a heck of a lot and we actually weathered the pandemic storm really well. Um, I credit our leadership team and our team members for that. They really remained flexible, loyal, and dedicated throughout all of that turbulence from new safety requirements to being short on manpower to having some supply chain issues at times. Um, you know, but we we really tapped into what we already knew that we did well. We learned some areas where we were weak that really were revealed by having to go through this rather unique challenge for an extended period of time. And we were able to really respond effectively to those gaps and, and make sure that we had, you know, stop gaps in place moving forward. So, you know, I'm happy to report that currently our sales revenue is ahead of budget for the year. Um, and we forecast finishing the year about on par with 2019 and 2018. So it should be a, a typical year for us. Um, and then our RFQ activity is actually very strong. So I, I feel really confident going into next year as well. That's great. That's good to hear. Yes. Um, talk about supply chain a little bit. I mean, most of your raw materials are sourced are, are mm-hmm. nationally or globally. Or where, where do you sit on supply chain? I mean, uh, most of our raw material is stateside, you know, so right now that is one of our, our big challenges with prices continuing to increase and, and supply really not being existent. Uh, and, and it's like the, the supply chain from China right now, everything's sitting on the ocean. They can't find boats, they can't find containers. So I was just mm-hmm. curious. I would think a lot of yours would be local, uh, but I don't know that. I'm not local, but Ashley. Yeah. So you're seeing the price increases like everything else with inflation. Is it is it is there a is there an adequate supply and it's just price, or are you seeing shortages as well? We're definitely seeing shortages. So you know, prices, both base and surcharge pricing, is increasing, and it, it it's up. I think 61 percent over December. So it's definitely been a really steep, really quick increase, and then supply just is not there. Um, we hear from mills all the time that you know they their rolling schedules are full they haven't opened rollings for 2022 yet and then the spot by market has just been picked over and it, it's very hard to find low volume raw material that we need 
are they problem? Are they telling you is it is it labor? And if, I'm, I'm assuming a lot of it's labor based. They can't get labor to actually turn the product. Are you hearing that? We're hearing some labor issues. Obviously, I mean, I think that's a, across all supply chains right now. But we're also hearing that they're at capacity at the rolling mills. So I think that you know there was maybe some pent up demand. I'm not entirely convinced that that's the whole situation that's happening. Yeah. So if there was a pent up demand, they're trying to dig out of the, the backlog. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Right. So what would you say is your differentiating your company? What problem do you solve for your customers? Yeah. So we use the most advanced technologies and equipment to deliver exceptional forged steel components of all types to our customers. Um, our products meet the highest quality standards and are delivered on time. We have the quickest quote turnaround time in the industry. We're usually first to market and we can pivot with a moment's notice to meet a customer's needs. Um, you know, we're known for continuously improving our processes and reinvesting in our equipment, our facilities, and our team members to make sure that we're really delivering a complete customer experience and end product that exceeds expectations. How do you sell your product? I mean, is it pretty much, do you have Salesforce or is it, how do you, how do you actually process a sale? So I mean, we have a... Quote, I have a press for quote and a drawing or so on, but but how does that? You have a captive base or what? It, it's a combination of things. So we have a, a fantastic web presence, um, so you can actually submit a request for quote through our website. Um, so a lot of inquiries come through there. The Forging Industry Association actually has an RFQ service. So, you know, customers who don't really know who they need to make their part, they can go through that service. And that's really helpful. Um, and then a lot of it is is word of mouth. I mean, our, our reputation definitely precedes us. And, you know, they know that if they want the highest quality, they come to Trenton. That's awesome. That's good. So where do you think your industry is going in the next two to three years? You say your RFQ well is high, which is great. Great to hear. But what, what's driving it? Is it automotive? Is it industrial? Where, where do you see most of that come from? I mean, you cover a lot mm-hmm. of the a lot of different industries. We do. We're, we're very diverse when you look at the types and number of customers that we have. We are about 60% automotive by volume. And a lot of that is it's within our size range. And we're just very close to Detroit, which, you know, the motor city. Um, the forging industry itself is one of the oldest in the world. And we're obviously resilient to still be around after millennia. Um, Obviously, the world itself is changing around us, but we're strategically preparing for those changes, such as, you know, the increase in electric vehicles that will change the types of components that are on the platforms, the types of materials that are required in those components. Um, There's changing energy technologies that some of which will require forged components because of the strength that those components provide to the processes. And then the actual forging technology itself is is changing fairly rapidly. Um, You know, we just moved in the last decade to uh, CNC cold saws instead of shears to cut our billets. Uh, We moved to the, you know, latest state-of-the-art induction heating systems. Um, You know, in the, I'll talk about a, a big expansion that we're doing in a little bit, but, you know, we're really trying to stay on top of 
all of those opportunities and pay attention to the threats, right? So currently there's this ever increasing competition from offshore companies that benefit from various state subsidy programs that make them far more competitive. Um, you know, the state of the steel industry, like we talked about, is crazy in the U.S. right now. So we're, we're really looking at the whole picture. Tell me a little bit about the subsidies. I, I, that's something I hadn't heard. Actually, number one, I, I, I don't know how you would buy something like yours. In my manufacturing background, we had, to, we had some Chinese-made equipment. We had to have gas mm-hmm. buckets. And it took, number one, it took seven or eight tries to get the right size and the second was getting it over here. So how would you order a part from a forge offshore when with the drawing exchange? And, and wouldn't that be a lot more, even with the price, price advantage, wouldn't that be a direct offset? I mean, I don't understand how you'd make something like that offshore. I, I, yeah, to be honest, some of our biggest competitors are offshore currently because they can price so competitively. And the biggest variable in that price is really their raw material, which is typically subsidized in many of the countries that we're competing against. So as an example, we can make a component with, say, um, you know, 40% of our component cost is raw material cost. Other countries can make the entire component, all, you know, raw material, all in everything, for what I pay in raw material alone. So that subsidization of raw material just makes it impossible for us to compete. You know, we do have some tricks up our sleeves and and I think some uh, stateside companies are starting to realize that there's a lot of landed costs that go into having to import from overseas. You know, the the taxes, the tariffs, the um, potential quality issues and the communication barriers. And then you're looking at transit times and potentially having, you know, parts lost at sea. And what do you do in that case? So there are a variety of factors, um, but we're, we're really focused on positioning ourselves to be that stateside supplier that can really solve those problems. That's really interesting. I I, I knew the advantages, but uh, that that put it in perspective that they can produce a finished product for your raw material cost. That's quite a disadvantage. Um, yeah. Timing again. The timing. I don't. How much? Let me be. I'm not asking the right question. How much of your business is repetitive, making the same part over and over? That might fit offshore, where you could you could stack the inventory, which again is costing the customer money because he's got inventory sitting on the floor because he's trying to offset the, the uh, transit time. But uh, a lot of this, as I saw, you, you actually take a you take a part. But they don't know what they need. You create a drawing. I saw you did 3D printing, which is pretty neat. Mm-hmm. You create, a, create a model, send it to them, uh, turn the part over, and, and, and send it on. I don't see how you compete with that from an offshore position. Uh, I, I do see repetitive parts. If I buy a, a hundred thousand of the same part every month, you can offset that. So, how, how much of your business yeah. is that versus? Uh, I'm just trying to understand your market now. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. So we're we're a little bit unique in the U.S. in that we're one of the few remaining forging job shops. Um, so you know, most of our business is focused on the low volumes, um, with the exception of of two part numbers, and and those we would consider higher volumes. 
So when we're competing with offshore companies, we're really competing for those high volume programs that would last multiple years. Um, you know, I'll talk about our future focus, which is really on how are we going to secure the high volume work while continuing to supply that low volume job shop niche market for our stateside customers. Because again, we're, we're one of the few companies who still do that type of thing. Yeah, I got it. Yeah. With the high volume work is obviously our margin too. So, Right. One of the things I run into with my clients is, is I run into a lot of companies like yours where they're doing lower volumes, higher margin stuff. And then they get a, one or two accounts that have high margin. They've got to, it throws the whole operation into a, into a dive because you've got to add yeah. equipment, and labor, and so on. And it's a lot, you're adding it for low margin product rather than staying with the high margin product, right? Yeah, it's it's definitely a different mindset. It's a little bit of a a different accounting practice, um, but we we know that we can do both and and we're ready to embrace that. Oh, good. So you you talked about future focus. So you really answered that question, I guess. Well, not really, because the future is, is really exciting for us. We are actually in process right now of expanding our entire forging operation. Um, and really we're positioning the company to better serve existing and new customers. So we're erecting a brand new facility on our existing campus in Michigan, and that will house three state-of-the-art, fully automated 2,500-ton forging press lines. So currently we run on hammers. These will be presses and they will be larger. Um, So the first line will be operational in March of 2022. And the next two will phase in and be complete no later than 2026. Um, So this will really allow us to add capacity, achieve higher output rates, manufacture higher volume programs, forge larger components, and compete with offshore manufacturers. And then also there's that other added value piece of alleviating a little bit of the labor shortage issues as well. So we'll continue to run our existing hammer lines that will allow us to offer two complementary forging processes for our customers. So this way we'll still meet the needs of the low volume job shop market while also offering a really high quality but local solution to North American companies in need of a reliable supplier for high volume projects. Awesome, great. One question, question I just finish up with is if, is if you were starting over again, what would you do differently? Would you, you've really gone the, the gamut. You've gone from the business to something else and back again. So mm-hmm. what would you change? What would you change? Nothing probably. <laughs> More than you no, I can't say that. Um, I, I would definitely get a business degree. Um, my public health education is surprisingly relevant to manufacturing, especially when we're talking about continuous improvement and planning. Um, but a business degree obviously would have made more sense had I known what my future actually held. Um, the second thing, and, and I think this is really important for anybody Uh, But for me as a a female in a male dominated industry, it was really learning to lean into my authentic self. Um, You know, being a a woman in this industry does have its challenges, but to be honest, most of those are in my head. Um, And I'll give you an example. You know, I'm on the executive board for our industry association. And when I was elected, I thought for sure that I was just the token young female I was only nominated because I filled that, you know, role that was really hard to find in the industry. 
Um, but it turns out that I'm valued for my thoughts, my ideas, and my contributions that will ultimately strengthen our industry, not just that I happen to be female. Um, so I really learned quickly that I needed to lean into my authentic self because I do bring strengths and skills to the table that are different and that are valuable. And I don't need to try to be somebody else because that person already exists. And then I think the third thing is probably my biggest lesson. Um, I don't need to know everything and have answers all the time. You know, in my public health career, I was the expert. I knew whatever somebody needed to know, I had the answers to that. Um, and I was very, very comfortable in that place. I operated with a lot of confidence because of that. When I made the move back to manufacturing, it was definitely out of my comfort zone, not having all of the answers at my fingertips. And I had to get really comfortable relying on and trusting in my colleagues and my team members. They are exceptional. I just was not used to not being the subject matter expert. Um, you know, in fact, I've learned in my role as president, especially, I need to know just enough to be dangerous in a whole variety of areas. And then my team can fill in the technical and the gritty details for me. It's still uncomfortable. I don't like not knowing everything, um, but I know that it's best for the company for me to keep that 30,000 foot view where strategy happens and my team can handle the details of execution. Well, I applaud you for learning that. Uh, <laughs> no, I mean, a, a, lot of, a lot of folks never get comfortable. I mean, one of my advantages, I've, I've been a CEO in a couple of different industries and I came from a high tech industry. So uh, I, I've had a lot of different exposure. I didn't know anything about most of it. <laughs> but what I did is I, I built teams and I, my strength was I wasn't afraid to say, look, I don't know what you're talking about. Sit down and teach me. Mm-hmm. And it worked for me, you know, and, and you find people that you can trust and, and you learn from that. And, and But I see so many executives are afraid to admit they don't know. You can't know everything. And it's okay to be, to ask questions. It's okay to be that way. So I I think that for your young age, I think you came a long way. (laughs) Just learning that, I really do. Uh, So how can people get in touch with you? Do you want anything else to talk about first? I mean, I don't want to rush you, but... uh, no, I, I, I just, I thank you for the opportunity to talk about forging. And um, I think the most important thing for people to know is, is forgings literally make the world go round. There are forgings in the car you drive to work, um, the equipment that built your home or your apartment, um, in the equipment that harvests the food that you eat every day. I mean, it is, it, it really is the driving factor for the global economy. Um, we're really proud to be a supplier of forgings. We are looking forward to this next phase in our development. Um, but I, I think it's really important that folks take a moment and, and check out our website, trentonforging.com. We have a lot of really great videos about exactly how a forging is made and what components make up the things that, that really, you know, help us to live the lives that we live today. Um, so we're proud of it. And we just want more people to understand what the industry is all about. I appreciate you taking the time to come here today. Thanks for having me. Thanks for listening to Manufacturing and Supply Chain CEOs. If you're a successful CEO in manufacturing or supply chain, 
would like to be part of the program, please visit www.martinharsberger.com slash apply. If you got some value out of the interview, please share it on social media. We'd really appreciate it. Also, if you know someone that would make a great guest, tag them and let them know about the show. Again, our mission is to focus on manufacturing and supply chain CEOs. We'd like to share your story and provide industry trends and updates that would interest our listeners. We're regularly putting out new episodes and content. Make sure you don't miss an episode. Go ahead and subscribe. Your thumbs up ratings and interviews go a long way in promoting the show. You can connect with me on social media. I'm on LinkedIn at uh, Martin Harshberger. Uh, or through my website, www.martinharshberger.com. Again, we appreciate it. Thanks for listening.